Welcome. Oh, what a beautiful day. What a great day to be here. So welcome to church. Uh, God is good. I know, all the time, God is good. Um, so, uh, how many of us have been kind of going through a difficult time? Just kind of like, uh, life is just, it's, it's rough. Well, I've been going through the last three weeks of work where it's been very strenuous. And then I've been doing a side job, so it's even more strenuous. And I'm just like, oh. My whole body feels like it's shutting down. And I'm just, I'm just like, oh, miserable. <laughs> just to be honest. However, this scripture that God wanted me to share today, he actually gave it to me a month ago. <laughs> so it's like, huh. He's a genius. And he obviously wanted me to prepare for this time, and I didn't. So I'm here. So it's amazing that anytime you're going through something, God always has the answer in the Bible. So the story that we're gonna that I'm gonna talk about is in Acts chapter 16, and it's talking about Paul and Silas. And so Paul and Silas were going out ministering, and uh, a, a slave girl started just kind of bothering him, telling him, hey, this is the way you can be saved. And so he gets annoyed, whatever. And so they cast the uh, spirit out of, this, out of the girl. Well, they end up getting thrown into jail because of doing that. So, you know, you're thinking, hey, they're doing right, and yet this happens to them. Well, so not only did they get thrown in jail, but they were stripped naked and beaten and then thrown in jail and then put into the inner part of the jail with shackles on their feet. So it's like, how, how? talk about going through a bad time, okay? So what's their response? So their response in verse 25 says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God in the prison, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prisons were shaken. Immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. So I'm like, what were they singing? What were they singing? And uh, a hymn came to my mind. And it goes like this. Just a few more weary days and then I'll fly away. And I'm like, no, that can't be it. Because if somebody's sitting there going, oh, just a few more weary days, and then I'll fly away. It's like, well, yeah, but what about today? So I think the song kind of goes more like this. So excuse me for singing. <laughs> My family says, don't embarrass us, Dad. Well, here we go. There's a river of life flowing out from me Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see Opens prison doors, sets the captives free There's a river of life flowing out from me Spring up a well within my soul Spring up a well and make me whole Spring up a well and give to me that life abundantly I'm a new creation I'm a brand new man old things are passed away I've been born again more than a conqueror that's who I am I'm a new creation I'm a brand new man so I'm pretty sure that when they sang that I'm pretty sure that when they sang that that's when the prisoners are like yeah dude that's it okay so there could be some of you that are like, you know, I'm, I'm not at that stage. Well, welcome to this church. Because you can say, well, I'm not at that stage, but there is people that are at that stage that are going to actually start singing to help you have that breakthrough. And we have a great pastor that's talking about authority. So it also helps. So you are in the right place. You are in the right place to become more than a conqueror. So rise with me and we'll pray. 
Father, thank you for your sense of humor and allowing me to sing this morning. But no, Father, you are good. You are good, you are good, you are good. I thank you that you've given us the authority to change the world. And Father, in fact, you want us to be healed, you want us to be set free, because there's people around us that need to be set free also. They need their prison doors wide open. So Father, I thank you. I thank you for the worship. I thank you for the message. I just, Father, I thank you for this church. That, Father, as you, the Spirit leads us to give an encouraging word or just to pray for somebody, Father, that more and more and more is going to happen where people are being set free. And, Father, you are so worthy of all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Many times when we're in worship, um, I just I, I hear what's going on in the spirit, and I and I, I was hearing that that the worship team needs to sing over the congregation. I've had that happen many times, and, and not I've I've not always acted upon it. No, it's just it's just there, when when they've entered in, when we've entered in, when they led us into the presence of the Lord. There's times when they're they're anointed to minister. Now we're ministering unto the Lord, obviously. That's worship. But there's times when we when they've entered in, we've entered in, where they have an anointing on them to minister over the congregation. So I'm actually gonna have, I've I've asked Jamie and I and, and I had to I had to tell her twice because I, I even I was it was a lot of instructions. They're gonna change some of the words and hopefully it works out. It's not their fault, it's mine. But they're going to change some words. I want you to receive what they share, what they what they sing, and then when we get to the chorus, that chorus that says "Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Christ, my victory," then I want everybody to join back in. Amen, amen. So I was I was just hearing this in the spirit. I was I was seeing in the spirit. I was wondering how it was going to work, and this is what we're going to do. I believe this is what we're supposed to do. And then uh, Linda came up, and she said, the Lord just spoke something to me, and I, and I believe this is why. Because I, I didn't have the why. I just knew I had the what. You know, praise God for the Spirit of God, because He leads as He, does, as he gives, as He gives utterance. And so uh, she came up and said, yep, that's why. Here's the why. <coughs> okay, well, I just believe the love of God was to descend upon this congregation to bring healing and restoration not only mentally and physically uh, spiritually uh, for anything that you have been crying out for but some of you have been crying out for the love of God to touch you in a mighty way and I believe he wants to do that uh, now as we so just you know yield to the Holy Spirit for whatever he might want to do right now and that's <clears throat> of course we give all the honor and praise to the Lord. Amen. Amen. So receive. You know sometimes it's hard to receive. We want to, we always want to give. People always want to give and that's awesome. That's admirable. But there's times when you should just receive. And this morning as they sing over you I, I want you to receive that love and then they'll hopefully they'll remind you and we'll we'll all sing together at the end of that chorus. Yes, amen. Amen. It is one for you. It is one for me. Hallelujah. His blood. His blood on that cross did everything it needed to do. Once and for all. He did everything. He did. He gave everything. He poured out His blood, and that blood sets you free. But that freedom still comes in a choice. You need to receive that gift. Jesus did everything He was going to do. God has done everything He's going to do. The Holy Spirit has given you everything you need for life and godliness. But you have to receive that. It doesn't just happen. It doesn't happen because, you know, your parents were Christians. It doesn't happen just happen because your grandparents were Christians. It doesn't just happen because you go to the right church. 
It sets you free because you receive that free gift. You receive what he did. And, and how do you do that? How, how do you receive that? By first a choice in your heart to realize that the only way you're getting to heaven is through Jesus Christ. <laughs> Sometimes the goodness of God just gets me. God is so good. He is so good. He loves you so much. He's done everything he can do. He, he's, he's made every possible way, and there's only one way, and that's through Jesus. But you have to make that choice to, to believe that that's what, that's what saves you and to receive that gift, that free gift of salvation by his blood only. The cross of the, you know, because he died on the cross, because his blood was shed, it's the only way. But then you have to acknowledge it. You have to speak it. And the Bible says you, you should speak it before man. You should speak it before man. You should, you should tell somebody, this is what my hope is based on. My hope is based on Christ alone. My hope is based on his death on the cross. My hope, you know, when I get to eternity and I step over, now I know, here's the deal, he's not going to ask me, why should I let you in? <laughs> he already knows. But if he were to ask, if he were to ask, there's only one answer, and that's because Jesus Christ died for my sins. It's because his shed blood forgave my sins forever and ever. Whew. Praise God for that. I don't know about you guys, but I praise God for that. But if you've never done that, if you've never made that acknowledgement, if you've never made that choice in your heart, if you've never put your faith in him and what he's done, man, don't wait another second. Don't wait another second. Receive him right now. Well, but what's it going to cost me? Everything. It'll cost you everything. Well, what do you mean everything? Everything. Well, is it worth it? Yes. Yes. Because we give him everything that we have, all of our faults, all of our pain, all of our sickness, all of our, our sin, all of our loss, all of our corruptness. And he gives us then everything, what really is everything, back to us. He gives us life and life everlasting. Hope, joy, peace. All the, all the, the blessings of God are ours. Life is so much better. It is so much better. Trust me. Trust a whole bunch of people here. Receive him right now. How do I do that? It's easy. You can say it any way you want. Almost any way. But number one is, Father, I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for me. I repent of my sin. Forgive me for my sin. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. From this day forward, I choose for you to be the Lord of my life. Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. When you say that, and however you say it, He knows exactly, He knows your heart. He knows where you, who you are. He knows what you're saying. And that He said, He said that He will now acknowledge you before those in heaven you're a, you're a child of God from that moment on from that moment on you don't have to jump through any more hoops you don't, there are things you do out of obedience that he tells us to do but it does not have to do with salvation it has to do with obedience, being obedient letting him be Lord but you can receive him right now by praying that, that idea that concept of prayer and then tell somebody Tell somebody you're with. Tell somebody in the church. Tell somebody, Jesus Christ is my Lord. I had to do that. One day I had to do that. I had to say, I was sitting in a, in a break room at, at work. One day I was living for the devil. The next day somebody asked me if I wanted to go do something. I said, I can't do that anymore. And they said, why? I said, I just made, I, to the, yet last night I made Jesus Christ my Lord. And they went, what? But I did it. I confessed it. You have to, it's, it's part of the process. We're going to receive communion this morning. It's a celebration of what he did, the blood that was shed. 
It's a celebration of that sacrifice made. And Jesus said on the, on the last night he was on earth, before the crucifixion, he said, I want you guys to do this. And as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And in, in Corinthians it says that, that every time we receive the Lord's Supper, every time we celebrate this Lord's Supper, we're declaring Christ's death. We're saying once again, that's what I believe. I believe that his shed blood, his, his sacrifice was all. That's all. That's everything. That's all I need. Because he said, ushers come forward. He said, this is my body broken for you. He was prophesying. He knew what was about to happen the next day. He said, this is my body broken for you. As often as you do this, as often as you eat this, do this in remembrance of me. And at the end of the meal, he took the cup and he says, this is my shed blood. It was a representation of the shed blood of Christ for the remission of sins. It's the blood of the new covenant, the new deal, the new promise. As often as you do this, remember me. And we've done that. Christians have done that for millennia. And it's not a ritual. It's a declaration. It's not, we have to do it a, formally a certain way or you're going to screw it up. Don't worry about that. Receive. I've shared this a few times. My favorite communion I've ever shared was with a, a woman who was a shut-in and a couple of us guys went over to visit her it's before I was a pastor or anything and we're sitting there just, just talking about the Lord. Remembering the Lord. And she goes, I haven't had communion in years. I've been, I've been stuck in this home for a year. She goes, would you, would, would you guys share communion with me? And I said, absolutely. And she goes, well, I don't have any grape juice, but I have some juice. I said, great. Well, I, I just have some saltine crackers. I said, no worries. Because it's the confession of our mouth. It's the heart. And we received communion that day with that lady as the body of Christ. It's the heart. It's the confession. As we celebrate communion today, remember him. If this is the first time you've ever received communion as a believer because you just made a choice just now, praise God. There's angels celebrating in heaven. Whether you're here or here or whether you're watching online or however it happens, if you've received Jesus, tell somebody. Tell somebody that you came with. Tell somebody here. Tell somebody. And declare him as the Lord of your life. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. God, you're so good to us. And it just, it's, it never, never ceases to amaze me how good you are and how much you love people. You are worthy, Lord. You are worthy of all praise, all honor, all glory. And today, Lord, as we receive this, this communion, these elements, the bread and the, the juice, Father, we remember what Jesus did on that cross for us. And we publicly declare the crucifixion, the death of Jesus Christ. But we also publicly confess the resurrection. Death could not hold him. And it can't hold us. Thank you, Jesus. We remember you today in your holy name. Amen. Please come forward. Turn with me to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. This is where we began when speaking, when we started talking about authority months ago. Doesn't seem like months since I've. Been, this is like, I think this is the sixth teaching in the series, and that's really a month and a half, but there's been weeks of breaks in between. And. And I want to thank you so much for uh, welcoming those who have been filling in uh, off and on. There's been different things going on. I've spoke up at a church in uh, uh, Bethel, Minnesota one weekend and somebody else preached. And 
last week. I wanted to make sure somebody was in the pulpit in case my flight was canceled last week. And, but it wasn't. I had to come back to Minnesota. And, <laughs> and uh, Pastor Peter preached, and, and I appreciate your welcoming him. It's, it's good. You know, we've got some of the most amazing Bible teachers and preachers here in this church. We're so blessed. And I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about others. I mean, there's even people you haven't heard from yet that you need to. And it's always good because here, you know, I, I've always said this, and you know, 20, 22 plus years ago, when I first came here as the pastor, and 20 years ago when I became the senior pastor, one of the things I said is, you know, I said, I'm not, I'm not going to lay hands on everybody all the time. I'm not going to be the only one to lay hands on anybody or everybody. And uh, there was, I met a little resistance with that because that's what people were used to. They were used to me laying, or the pastor laying hands on people. That's great. That's, that's how God led him. And, but I said, my goal is to train up the saints to do the work of the ministry and to get people using the gifts that God has given them. And, and, and that works for, for laying on of hands. That can work for counseling. It can work for prayer. It can work for preaching. And I said back then, I said, I said, I would rather have the one who's anointed to preach that morning than the guy you expect to preach that morning. So at any given time, I'll sit down. Really, truly, I will. Because God, I want God to use who he wants to use. And that's the whole vision with the valley and the, and the planting of the churches. Uh, two weeks ago, I was actually at a, at a uh, church planting conference and we were talking about, it was actually, it was amazing. I was speaking with some, uh, some amazing uh, ministers from around the world. And uh, we started talking and they were asking about our vision. And they said, oh, how many campuses do you have? I said, five, you know, five. I mean, I'm talking to guys that have thousands, you know, it's amazing. And they said, oh, okay, so do you, do you send it out by satellite? Do you, do you send out a, a video? I said, no, that's not our vision. You know, if, some, if that's somebody's vision, that's awesome. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not downplaying that one. But the thing is, what's on our heart is to train up the body, to train up the saints. This revival, this, this move of God on the earth that's happening right now, whether you know it or not, that this move of God is not, is not just for the ministry or the ministers or the pastors or those with titles or what. It is for every single human being. It's for everyone. The second chapter of Acts says, says that he will pour out his spirit on all flesh, not just this flesh. It's all flesh. He's everybody, everybody who knows Jesus, everybody, and I'm speaking to you guys, everybody is anointed. You're, you're anointed to preach the good news. Now, whether, however that is, whether, whether it's over a cup of coffee with somebody, whether it's, it's on a street corner, or whether it's in a pulpit, we're all called to be about the work of the ministry. And with that, I knew I could do a segue. I, I, for a while there, I thought I was gone. I thought I was off on a rabbit trail and wasn't coming back. But I could. I can go that way. But we've also been given the authority I'm not the only one who has the authority here. You have authority. But how do you take that? How do you receive that authority? How do you use that authority? And, and why? How, do you, you know, how and why is always the, the question. How can I actually do that? Today, I believe I'm going to get into that. That's, I've been heading there for weeks, and I keep getting you know, on something else. Ephesians chapter 1. This is where we started. We'll go back there just to try to ground us a bit. Ephesians 1, chapter 1, beginning with verse 19. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe? According to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand, at his right hand, in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he, will put, and he put all things under his foot. And he, God the Father, put all things under his, Jesus the Son, under his feet, and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him, who fills all in all." 
because of his obedience, Jesus received all authority. Not just some, not just 99.9%. He received all authority. His, he, he now is in charge. Now, the only reason he may not be in charge in your life is you've not submitted to his authority. Do that quickly. Make it happen. But in that authority, in that power, in that place of leadership, he then said this in Matthew. I know we're going from Ephesians back to Matthew, but what Paul is saying is a universal truth. The truth is all power and all authority has been given to Jesus. And this is what Jesus said after he raised from the dead, after all authority. It wasn't when he got back up into heaven, you know, after leaving the earth in, in Acts chapter 1, when he received the authority. He received the authority when he rose from the dead. When he rose from the dead, he was given that all authority, all power in every way. And this is what he said just before he did go up, go up, go up to have, get caught up to heaven and gave this uh, command to the disciples, Matthew 28, Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He declared it. All authority has been given to me. I'm ready. I'm, here we go. This is starting. He had preached for three years about the kingdom of God. A kingdom has what? A king. A kingdom has a king. He's the king. He's all authority. He's been given that authority, and he said, okay, I'm in charge, guys. Here's what I want you to do. Go, into all, go therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He gave a very clear directive. Mark said it a little bit different. He says, you're going to go preach the gospel. You're going to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and you're going to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And you're going to cast out demons and you're going, he said, here's the things you're going to get to do. And basically we only get to do what he did for three years. Now here's the catch. Here's the catch. Does he still do that? Let's, okay, let's practice that together. Does he still do that? No. Who does? We do. Yeah, exactly. How do we know that? Because it says he went up to heaven and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. He told us to go, therefore. We go, therefore. Now, in whose name do we do it? In whose authority do it? Do we? Sorry. In whose authority do we do it? My mouth sometimes goes way faster than my, my brain. Or my brain the other way. Can't remember. <laughs> but here's the deal. He's given us the responsibility to now do it. Now how do we do it? Now we've been talking about that. This I read this one of the, the very first week. Uh, it's kind of the, the verse that gave me the kickstart. Or not the verse, I'm sorry. Not the verse. The, the, uh, the paragraph that gave me the kickstart to actually teach on this was by a, a quote by Barry Bennett, one of the teachers at Karis said, authority is the key, and I think they're going to have it up there. Can, can get it up there. It's floating around in there somewhere in the, in the uh, area. Authority is the key to faith. One in authority can give orders regardless of how they feel. Let me say that one again. One in authority can give orders regardless of how they feel. You're in authority no matter how you feel right now. Do you feel like you're in authority? Now, I'll just be honest with you. When I woke up this morning, I did not feel in authority. I woke up and I was like, oh, here we go. Not because I didn't want to come to church. It's just I didn't want to get up. I don't know if anybody else is there. Not really, you know, Faith man, power man, I wake up and everyone, hey, we're ready to go here. Some mornings I have to get up and go, oh, where am I? Really, I got to do this again. Not this, but just do anything in life. Yeah, I have to do life again. We're still on this earth. Great. We didn't get raptured last night or whatever. You don't wake up all the time. You don't always feel, especially what, we we're, what we're about to talk here, and we've talked about it before. I'm not going to go into super depth. But there are times when you are living your life and you make mistakes. 
And you don't feel, I don't, I certainly don't feel like I have authority to cast out demons. I have authority to tear down strongholds. I have authority to whatever. I don't feel that way. But here's the truth. It does not diminish, how you feel does not diminish your authority. You have the exact same amount of authority. We've talked about that with the police officer. Police officer is a person in authority. He's in a uniform and he's in a car that is owned by the government and they give him authority to oversee people, oversee culture, and if there are infractions to the code of understanding, law in their case, if there's an infraction, they have the authority to stop you, to detain you, and they have the authority, once you've been judged, to punish you. The authorities have that authority to deal with the infraction. The same way in the Spirit. That authority, who is in, who's in authority on this earth right now? We are. We are. Why, why doesn't Jesus do something? Why doesn't God do something? He's done it. It's already happened. Now it's up to us. So what do we do? We do what he tells us to do. We are led by him, and it may be a whole bunch of things. Start with prayer. We talked about that two weeks ago. Start with prayer. Well, prayer, what do I mean? Jesus, please help me. Now, I'm being a little facetious, and please give me a little bit of latitude here. I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be derogatory. Jesus, please help me is not what we need to do. Jesus, for, you know, Jesus, save me. He's already saved you. <laughs> He's already given you all the things you need for life and godliness. What you need to do is, hey, I've got the uniform. I've got, I've got the badge. I've got the weapon. Hey, there's an infraction. You stop. You stop. Not, oh, Jesus, please stop them. See what I'm saying? Whatever that infraction is. I don't know what the, whatever, I mean, I do know. See, I, I'm sorry, I do know what the infractions are. We're actually going to get into some of the infractions. And, and it isn't, Jesus, please fix that. Jesus, please fix this. Jesus, help me. I mean, he, he wants to help us. He does help us. But the, you know how Jesus helps us? He sits at the right hand of the Father and says, they got my authority. They, that's, that's all the help you need. That's all the authority, all power, all the highest name above all names. We have that backing us up so that when we look at whatever the infraction is and we say, stop it, we have all the, all the authority of heaven backing us up. That's how authority works. It's not because of you, me. It's not because of us as individuals. It's because of him. We're operating in his authority. But it, does not, it is not based on your feelings. If you are dealing with whatever it is and you feel like you're defeated, tell yourself to stop it. I don't care how I feel. Authority in the kingdom flows from righteousness. The reason you have authority is you are righteous. You're not becoming righteous. You're not hoping to be righteous one day. You are righteous. Do you feel righteous? Wow. I know, I know, I, uh, this is where the, the being and the teacher and the, and the pastor, and I, I know the answer I'm looking I don't always feel righteous, but I am righteous. So yes, praise God, that's what, at that point we can then feel righteous. Why? Because I'm, I'm so good? No, it has nothing to do with my goodness. It has nothing to do with my, my sinlessness, my, my, my infractionlessness. Put that one down, Pastor Greg. Pastor, Pastor Greg writes down the words I make up, and he keeps track. Infractionlessness. It's not because I do everything right. It's because he did everything right. And he said, I give that to you. You, my shed blood made you righteous. His shed blood. You know what I'm saying? He's saying that. 
His shed blood made you righteous. At that point, you are all the righteous you need. You're in right standing with him. That means you have authority. You have authority to say stop it to whatever is the infraction that's trying to happen in your life or in your family or in your, your community or in your church or in your relationships, whatever it is. You can say stop it and it has to stop. Does it always stop immediately? No, because it's lawlessness, right? We live in a world where lawlessness reigns. Even there was times when Jesus said some. Remember when when uh, when he the 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 uh, demoniac who had who had legion in him. He he addressed them and they said, "Don't don't 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 don't. Are you here to 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 to, to hurt us ahead of time?" He says. He says, no, but he says, you're going you're gonna to leave. They said, well, throw us into the pigs. They were negotiating. They were negotiating. There are times when demons negotiate. We're going to go there. Anybody ever cast out a demon before? I've, I've had to cast out a few demons, real, real life casting out demons. Do I use a cross and holy water? Heck no. You use the word of God. My, my favorite one. Favorite one. Was, we were in a meeting one night and I was sitting back towards the back because I was doing some actual other work. I wasn't the, the speaker, I wasn't the pastor. The pastor gave a, an altar call. And a whole bunch of people came up, man. This was over at the other church where I was at. A whole bunch of people came up to, to receive salvation. It was wonderful. It was a neat night. And people were praying up at the altar. And, but there was one guy way over here on the side, and he's pacing back and forth. He's pacing back and forth. He's pacing back and forth. He's, and you can tell he is agitated, man. He is agitated. He's pacing back and forth. So then the pastor gets all done, and this was back when they used to take you into the back room. Anybody ever get saved when they took you to the back room to give you some literature and pray for you? Yeah, we, you can still do that. That's awesome. It's cool. But we don't do that. You know, it's just like, live your life. Let's go. Come on, move it. So the pastor said, okay, everybody, everybody up front here, we're going to take you to the back room. We're going to give you some literature. We're going to pray with you. And the lead usher took everybody to the back room and he was going to minister to them he was going to give them the literature and whatever and he went i'm watching this guy because i'm watching this guy i'm going that that's not normal there's something going on with him i'm watching he's pacing back and forth and all of a sudden well they all they all go to the back room and the service kind of goes on and they, they talk about whatever they're talking about and all of a sudden the lead usher comes out and he comes all the way to the back to where i was sitting he goes you have to come now i said why what's up and he goes the guy's got a demon I was like, really? And he goes, oh, yeah. Yeah, there, he's, he's, oh, he's nuts, man. He's nuts. I was like, okay. So I walked back to the back room, and here's this guy sitting in a corner rocking. And he's, you know, he's messed up. I mean, he's, and it's, uh, you know, could have been whatever, who knows, but he was messed up. And I looked at him, and I said, hey, man, I said, how you doing? Not good, not good, not good, not good, not good, not good. I was like, okay. Do you want to be free? And he stopped moving, and he looked at me, and he went, yes. I was like, okay, we can deal with that. You know, they have to be willing to be free. Because I, I don't have the authority to just cast out anything. I have authority. I mean, I, I don't have authority over you. If you, and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, anyone, any, all y'all. <laughs> Just you were the you were the one that, because what I'm going to say next is you know, if you if if you if you want to keep your demon you sure can that's the truth of it if you want to keep that sin if you want to keep whatever you can you have the authority you have the right to do that I can't usurp that right but I said to him I said do you want to be free and he said yeah he looked very seriously he went yes and then went back to manifesting. I said, all right. I said, in the name of Jesus, come out of him right now. That's the, word, that's the voice I use. I didn't scream. I didn't yell. I didn't spit. I didn't, I didn't do anything. I just looked at him. I said, in the name of Jesus, come out of him right now. The guy jumps up out of his chair. I mean, he literally jumps up. And in one movement, we had about a 12, 14-foot uh, uh, conference table in that room. I'm looking at Dennis because he knows the room I'm talking about. <clears throat> 
12, 14-foot conference table, really heavy-duty conference table. The guy is sitting about here. He jumps up in one movement, and he dives on top of the table, and he starts snaking all the way across the table. I mean, I just like, whoa, what the heck? And I just stood there, and I said, I said, come out of him. And he started going, making noise and slime, you know, slithering all over the table. And I said, I'm not impressed. Get out in Jesus' name. And the guy went limp. He just went limp. He's laying on the table. And I turn around, and the, the lead usher is back in the corner going, you know. The guy laid there for a long time. And I was like, okay, here we go. All of a sudden, he started to move and he looked up and he said, very calmly, he says, What just happened? And I said, You got set free. The authority is not about how big and strong I am. It doesn't matter. It's the word of God. It's the authority of the word. And what did Jesus do? Jesus, Jesus, when he cast out demons, he just spoke to them. He didn't beat them up, didn't trip them, didn't hold them down, didn't try to force anything. He just said, come out. And they had to come out. They have to come out. I don't care what they say to you. I've, I've heard of people that have said, well, the, the demon argued with me. Well, who cares? They're liars. They're liars. He said, he said and he goes, wow. He says, what just happened? I said, you just got set free. And I said, here's the deal now, though. You're clean. You're free. The Bible says that that, de that devil's gone, but if you don't get filled up with God, if you don't get your life sorted out, it can bring back seven worse ones. What do you want to do? I want to get saved. <laughs> Guy got saved right there, filled him with the Holy Ghost, got him filled with the Holy Ghost. He left. A few days later, the head, uh, head usher came into my office and he said, he said, I was just downtown. And I said, I ran into this guy. He said, I didn't know who he was. He came up to me and he goes, hey, you were there Sunday night. And he's going, okay, yeah. And he says, he goes, I'm, I'm the guy. I'm, I'm the guy that got saved in the, in the back room. And he's like, you're him? He says he looked completely different completely different he was tortured before he's free far as i know i don't have never heard from him since but there you have the authority not because of how big and strong or how much it, it didn't even did you notice how much bible i quoted i just said in the name of jesus come out get out i don't have to prove it to him i don't have to argue with it i don't have to know its name you don't have to know its name i don't want to know its name well, but in the, in the Bible, you know, it said that it was legion. Well, it, did Jesus said, what's your name? Did he? Did he? Did he? Okay, well, he did it once. Oh, it never says that he did it any other time. But you don't have to know his name. It, just, it, it is under your authority. All right, back to this. These feelings have the goal. The feelings of the enemies, or the enemies of authority are guilt, condemnation, and low self-esteem. These feelings have the goal of stripping you of confidence, authority, and faith. All week long, I've been thinking about this example, and I, was, I wasn't going to share it. It's not my example, but I, I believe I can share it. I believe it's, you know, I'll, I'm just going to. Everybody, anybody here know who Rick Renner is? Rick, okay, a number of people know who Rick Renner is. Amazing Bible teacher, amazing man of God, amazing pastor in Russia. Now he used to be from the U.S. Years and years and years ago, Pastor Dan Dennison met him at a conference and invited him to come and preach in his churches. And he, and, and he said yes. And he advertised on a Sunday morning, you, you know, hey, I want everybody to come out. There's an amazing Bible teacher going to be here. Uh, his name is Rick Renner. And I'm thinking, I've never heard of this guy. And then I went to the meeting anyway, because that's what I did, and my goodness, the, the wealth of knowledge and understanding and everything. I was just, I was blown away. But he told a story when he was, he was talking about authority in, in different ways. And he's telling this story, he says, when he was in college, uh, going through seminary, uh, he had, it was in finals week, and he had been working on, you know, studying for his finals all week long, and he was engrossed. And, he, and some of the guys from the floor came and said, "Hey, do you want to go to the movie? Let's take a break. Let's go to the movie." 
And Rick says, no, he says, I really want to study. I want to do well on these tests. He says, don't, I don't want to go. They said, come on, let's go to the movies. And he's like, oh, all right, I'm going to relax. I'm going to go, just go to the movies for a couple hours. I'll come back and finish studying. He gets to the, the movie theater and all of them buy tickets to a horror movie. And he's like, I don't want to go to a horror movie. And they said, oh, come on, Rick, what are you afraid of? He's like, I'm not afraid of anything. I just don't want to fill my mind with that garbage. And he's, yeah, good choice. Why fill your mind with garbage? So he's, why fill your mind with any garbage? So this, this, is, this kind of works with any garbage, whatever it may be. So he goes, he's finally, finally, you know, peer pressure him into going. He goes to the movie. He hated the whole thing, sat through the movie. It's terrible. He got up at the end and he was like, ah, oh, I wish I hadn't gone to that, Lord. I'm sorry I went to that. Oh, this is terrible. Goes through, finishes his, his uh, 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 finals week, gets all of his things. The next week, he's just hanging out in his room. He's got nothing really to do. And the phone rings. And the phone rings. And it's one of his friends. He goes, hey, man, he says, Rick, he says, I, I, I got something I want to ask you. He says, I, I've got a situation where I'm, I'm ministering to this person, and I, I feel like, I think they want to get saved, but I think they have, I think they're like they're demon-possessed. I think they're demon-possessed. And Rick says, I can take care of that for you. Because he knows his authority. He knows everything. You know, he knows who he is in Christ. So he says, I'll, I'll be right over. So he finds out where this person lives, goes over to their house, walks in the door, and he's Rick Renner, man. He's Rick Renner. Man of power, man of faith, knows his position in Christ, knows who he is. He walks in the room, and he sees this person, and he goes, yep, that person is clearly demon-possessed. Yes, you're right. And he goes, he said, he thought in his head, and he's, he shared this publicly. That's why I'm thinking, can I share this? I'm going to share it because he said it publicly. He said in his head, in his head, he thought, I'm going to have some fun. And he said he started to mess with the demon. Because of why? 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 Pride. It was pride. He admitted it. He said it was pride. And he said he looked at the person and he started going, in the blood of Jesus. And the person started to squirm. And he sang it again. And they squirmed more. And, he, and the more he would sing that song, the more this person was agitated. And he did that for a while, you know, kind of laughing to him. He's, you know, that's what I'm saying. He told this publicly. I can tell this. He said, but he kept doing that. And he, and he was kind of feeling, oh, you know, I'm messing with this demon. And all of a sudden, that person sat up, looked him straight in the eye and says, I know you, who you are. You're Rick Renner. And I know where you were on Friday night. You were at the horror show down. And this person who had never met him started telling him everything he had done that whole last week accusing him, saying, you were doing this, and you were doing that, and you were doing this, and, and he's just like, oh, and he was shaken to his core. Now, here's the problem. I don't remember the rest of the story. I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember if he cast it out or if he did. I don't care if he did or didn't. I don't. But do you get the point? Number one, don't mess around. This is nothing to mess around with. But number two, devils will try to tell you you're not worthy. Devils will try to tell you you don't have the authority to deal with this stuff. And it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's a, a, a demon in somebody else or if it's a sickness in your body. If, it's, if you're dealing with whatever it is, and whatever, whatever attack is going on in your life, it could be sickness, it could be lack, it could be... All these things. And, and the devil's going to tell you you're not worthy. You have to know who you are. You have to understand you are righteous. You are in authority. And you have the right to deal with that. Oh. Satan tries to intimidate you. He tries to intimidate me all the time. My head sometimes, my head, everything I've screwed up, every, every crossword I've thought. 
Every time I've been frustrated with people, not you. Okay, some of you, no. That doesn't matter. Doesn't matter who it is. Anytime, anytime I have made judgment, oh, why would they do that? Why would they say that? Who do they think they are? And Satan's going to go, who do you think you are? It isn't about what I did yesterday. It's not what I did. It's not about what I did last week. Why can I stand up here in front of you this morning and I can tell you as confident as I can tell you, you have the authority to cast out devils. You have the authority to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Do you notice he didn't say they may recover? They might recover. He said, you will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You have that kind of authority. But what's going to happen? Satan's going to tell you, well, you don't deserve it. You don't, you don't have the authority. You, you, you. You know what you did last week. You know what you thought. You know what you did. And it, that kills authority. Boy, it seems like that's the, that's the area I keep getting stuck on. I get to that point every week, and I, just, and I think it's because we really need to get over it once and for all. We need to come to the point. Oh, I got go to go to this. Go to this. Where is it at? First John. First John three. This is going to mess with you, but it needs to mess with you. This is going to push some buttons, and I hope it does, because a lot of times we shy away from getting our buttons pushed. I'm going to push your buttons this morning. I actually, to tell you the honest truth, I'm going to push my own buttons. And if your buttons get pushed, which I know they will, we'll get there together. Amen? 1 John 3, verse 5. 1 John 3, verse 5. You know that he appeared, he being Jesus, in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. Verse 6, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, verse 7, little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Now, if that didn't push your buttons, you're awesome. Because you got this figured out. Because I'm not going to have you give a show of hands, but how many would say, yeah, I probably sinned this week? Well, I had some people who went, hmm. <laughs> and, and, well, wait a second. If it says that if I keep sinning, then I'm not in him. No, that's not what it's saying. It says that if you're in him, you no longer sin. That's different. That's different. <laughs> You're thinking, how is that different? Let's go back to the very beginning. Why are you righteous? Because of Christ Jesus. Because he's righteous and he has made you righteous. And if you're righteous, you're in right standing with him, which means you are in him. Okay, where are we together so far? So as long as you're in him, you're righteous. So if you're in him and you are considered, you're counted righteous, what if you make a mistake and you sin? It's forgiven. It's covered. He knows we live in a a sinful world, in a sinful body, and yeah, he wants us to live differently, but not because his relationship or his righteousness or his his covering or his authority has changed. It's because he wants you to live right. Is that, you see what I'm saying? I don't stop sinning because I'm good. (laughs) Really? 
I stop sinning because I'm just in him more and more and more. Man, you should have seen me 35 years ago. You should have seen me 10 years ago. God's good. And his authority is because he's, he's made me righteous. I am righteous. He doesn't count my sin against me anymore. Now, he tells us to grow up and to knock it off and become mature and, you know, treat people right. That's what he's talking about. It's not about any other stuff. It's not about being perfect. It's about just saying to the Lord, it is you. And now, in that, you have, you are righteous. You have authority from that moment on. You're an authority. Anything that's an infraction against the kingdom of God, I never, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. But I think we have to get past this. If we can't get past this, the rest doesn't matter. You're righteous. If you're born again, you are righteous. You're going to still mess up. Trust me. Who's the oldest person here? <laughs> Don't have to point them out to me. Are they perfect? Are they No. In Jesus we're perfect. But do we still do we do we still act like human beings? Yes. Okay, get past that. Now, if you're purposefully look Don't kick the bucket on me here. Here we go. We're going to have the announcements and offering now. And I'm sorry, a lot. It's not because you're, you, you don't ever screw up. You're human. Put your trust in him. Be in him, be in him, be in him. Yes, he, do, he wants you to treat people right. He wants you to love people. He wants you to, 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 to be, to act out your righteousness. If you're, if you're actively looking for sin every day, well, then you better get that sorted out. If you're, at, if you're going, oh, how can we do this today? But if you're, if you're every day going, Lord, how can I become closer to you? How can I be more like you? How can I be in you more? I want to I be, be you in this earth. You're on the right path. And you have all the authority of heaven backing you up. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Offering time. It's a good time. I'll talk a little bit about uh, tithing as it relates to Jesus being our high priest. Um, book of Hebrews here says that he's able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever lives to make intercession for them. Such a high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, made higher than the heavens. He offered up himself as the perfect sacrifice unto God for the redemption, complete redemption and our salvation, but he was also the high priest. He was the sacrifice and the, and the priest at, at the same time. Um, sometimes I try to think, how do you talk about something? If someone came in and they knew nothing at all, how would I, how, how would I say this? In Hebrews chapters 5, 6, and 7, the Bible talks about a character named Melchizedek. He was a priest who met Abraham after Abraham scored a major military victory in the Old Testament. This Melchizedek was the priest of God. He, um, well, thank you, God, for helping me here. Across these chapters in Hebrews 5, 6, and 7, it mentions Melchizedek nine times and says he was, he was God's high priest and that Jesus was made a high priest after the order of Melchizedek, not after the order of Aaron. Aaron was the priest um, after Moses received the Ten Commandments, okay? 
And in these, in these verses, in these chapters, it also talks about, about tithing. It's actually a pretty big footprint in the New Testament, a lot of precious real estate here spent on something that, um, that, that doesn't apply to us. If, if you believe tithing is, is not for today, but um, I should... Anyway, um, Melchizedek is mentioned nine times and seven of those times it says that Jesus is a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. In the Old Testament, we have uh, the law and we say frequently in this church that you know Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. We're no longer under the law. We don't live. Um, we 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 follow the Ten Commandments. We follow uh, the the law of God from our heart, but uh, but we're redeemed from from the curse of it. Anyway, let me just let, let me just read here, uh, Hebrews seven uh, talks about the story of Abraham in the Old Testament. It says, "Now consider how great this man was, unto unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils." And verily, they that are of the sons of Levi who receive the office of the priesthood have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law. That is of their brethren that come out of the loins of Abraham. So in, under the law of Moses, there was a commandment that you must tithe and that the priests would receive the, the tithe. But this priest Melchizedek came 400, probably 430 years before the priesthood of Aaron. And when Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek, it was, he didn't do it because of a law that commanded him to do it. He did it because of honor. It was about honor and it was about blessing not about a commandment that said, thou shalt tithe, okay? And today Jesus is our, is our high priest before the Father, interceding for us. He's our advocate when we, when we need to repent of sin. He, he's, he's always there for us. And in these chapters, it says that he's a high priest for us after the order of Melchizedek. And so there's not a, a law per se that we have to tithe, but there's a, but when we understand what's the honor side of it here, then, then we want to. And uh, Melchizedek, when Abraham when Abraham met him, uh, he, he received a tithe of the spoils of the whole battle from, from Abraham, and then he conferred blessing. That's pretty much all we know about Melchizedek. He received tithes, and he conferred blessing. So let me read a few more verses here. But he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had the promises. And without contradiction, the less is blessed of the, of the better. Melchizedek was the greater man. Here, um, this is New Testament, present time. Here, men that die receive tithes, but there he receives them, Jesus, of whom it is witnessed that he lives. And so when we, when we come and out of honor present our, our tithes to the work of the Lord in the church, in heaven there, Jesus receives them. And, and there's, there's a blessing for that. He receives our tithes, confers blessing just like 
just like Melchizedek did in the Old Testament, not because it's a law, but it's a, it's a principle that we want to follow. That's why I'm a tither. And there's, there, there's benefits to that too. There's, um, God says, when you tithe, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Um, and many, many other things. This is a long teaching. Um, the Lord swear and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. But this man, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. We say that Abraham's the father of our faith. Abraham paid tithes. We want to be like Abraham. We want to, we, we want to tithe. Abraham pleased God with his faith. Well, faith didn't pass away. We still follow in the, in the footsteps of Abraham that way. I still want to tithe like, like Abraham tithed. The priesthood changed. Honor never changed. The blessing never changed. So that's why, that's some of the reason why, why we bring our tithes to the Lord today. And when we do, like I said, Jesus receives them in heaven and uh, confers a, a blessing upon us. So let's pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you for uh, receiving our tithes, our offerings, our gifts of love into the work of the ministry today. Thank you for, for helping us. Thank you for the vision of this church and for where we're going and what we're doing. And thank you that we have a covenant with you that never changes under your unchangeable priesthood. In Jesus' name, amen.